Hi, this is the UX Growth Podcast, the podcast that helps people learn and grow in the UX design industry. I'm your host, Nick Mann. I'm here with another guest of season one with Bree Castro, and he is the co-founder of the UX Interview Masterclass, Ace Your UX Interviews and Get Hired. Thank you for being here, Bree. Hi, thank you for having me, Nick. Yeah, so let's begin by tell us about your background. How'd you get to the place you are today? My background is a little bit complex, so I'm trying to, I'm going to try to summarize it as, as fast as I can. I started in fashion, actually. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I was, I was really into that, right? I was into skateboarding, graphic design, fashion. So that was my world for a few years when I was young. I would say from 18 to maybe 22, 23. I had my own brand, actually, and it was pretty success, successful brand at the time. Um, I want to say it was more about timing. It was easy to sort of get a following on Instagram and easy to do sales than I think it is now. There's, it's a harder competitive uh, market out there now. But then after mm -hmm. that, I decided I, I wanted to change, right? So I moved to New York and I started working at a digital agency, uh, sort of like an in-house designer. And that was my title, just sort of designer. Um, but we were able to do a lot of different things, branding, web design, UI design. And then what we call UX design now, I think we were doing it back then, but it wasn't even called that. And that's mm -hmm. kind of where it got started, right? That was sort of like the seed that was planted in there. And then my, my journey just sort of sent me through different agencies doing a lot of consultancy work and then product teams, right? So I joined a product team here in Thailand. I'm actually in Thailand right now, which is a fintech, one of the biggest fintech companies here in Thailand. Then I moved to Mexico City, where I was working with a startup in the hospitality industry. And then I got the chance, a beautiful chance to work in a cryptocurrency exchange company uh, called Bitso, which is sort of the, the Latin American unicorn when it comes down to cryptocurrency. So try to shorten it <laughs> to sort of summarize mm -hmm. it. Started in fashion, moved to New York, do a little bit of graphic design, just na naturally became my UX designer without really knowing it. And then I got to the point where uh, my last job was as the UX director for consumer products. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I always love to hear the journeys of UX designers just because it's it's not always what you think it would be. I, I completely agree. And I, I wish we had a lot of time to sort of just talk about this and the nuances and, you know, just, yeah. just so you see where the connections are, right? Because I think one of the early connections of where I started to do UX was when I was in fashion. So we used to be in charge of the e-commerce. At that time, Shopify wasn't a big tool, so we were using other tools. I think it was WooCommerce at the time, but we were the owners of the, of the website, right? And by website, I mean the e-commerce, but also the marketing side of it and everything. Mm -hmm. So we were in charge of not just shooting the garments, but actually designing the website, optimizing the website for pieces that were not selling that well or for piece, new pieces that were coming up, how were we optimizing the website so that people can explore those things and then buy them and you know, ship as, as fast as we can. So I think that's my earliest UX experience without being UX. Because as I mentioned, I was working in fashion, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we, we were not thinking of like, oh, we're going to optimize the website. We were, now we kind of have to do this and we, we need to sell these things, right? So mm -hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't a product manager. It wasn't a UX designer. It was my boss who was the editing photographer. Uh, it was myself and then one of my other friends that were just working with him, just getting the website up and running and then making some sales. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I know. It's I have a similar situation where I started learning graphic design and then I transferred to web design. And in that web design, I'll essentially also teach myself UX design without actually knowing about it, just because there's a lot of crossover in the usability right, of, you know, of how websites work. And there's, there's was, things that I, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> it's, oh, it's totally okay. It's like, because I was always aware of UX design, but I never actually studied it, you know, exactly. It was always this lumped together with web design. Yeah, I don't think I was aware I don't think I was aware at the beginning, but once I understood what it was, it really caught my attention. And this is kind of, there's, there's beauty about graphic design and branding, but mm -hmm. one thing that would stress me out the most is that it's very subjective, right? It has to do a lot with feelings. It has to do a lot with colors and, and that's beautiful, but it's the conversations are not as objective as it can be with product design and UX design, right? There's, there's an actual quantifiable, um, goal that we want to do with UX. So it's a little bit easier to move forward than what it would be with branding, uh, which is, oh, I don't like the branding or it's not, I'm not feeling it yet, right? Whether with UX and product design, it's like, well, we need to do this specific job. And it was just a little bit easier. I think it might have to do with my personality per se, where it just made more sense to have more objective conversations and being able to quote unquote, defend my job or defend the defend the designs that I was doing in a more pseudo-objective pseudo way than just saying, oh, look at it, it's pretty, I'm selling it to you, right? I, I, I think I don't like being more of a salesperson and I like to be more methodical in, in everything, including my design. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, something I really learned early on about design is that there, not, there needs to be a reason for every decision where... As in like when I was like in the art department of my college years, it was live. It was the feeling and the emotion. There was no real right or wrong reason. It was just you were doing what you felt was natural. And that's not always the case for graphic design because you, you know, you are not creating art pieces for yourself. I think that, right. that's the major difference. It is. It is. So I went to school for graphic design and photography. And earlier in my career, I decided that I love photography, photography so much that I actually didn't want to work on it because I think it was going to ruin it for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. So even though I studied photography, I never actually professionally did it. And I'm not, I'm happy with it. I'm actually happy because up until this day, I enjoy photography and there's no stress to it. So I think I made a good choice in there. Yeah, I know. Like we always kind of just go for our passions because that's, uh, that's how we are able to do our work. You know, it's such a passionate based job, especially from like graphic design yeah. standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So when you are doing your typical work, I know it's always uh, can be a very big jungle, but what mm -hmm. would you say is like a typical work week look like for you? Okay. So I think the landscape of my job has changed a lot in the last year. So mm -hmm. I barely design nowadays. Oh. Yeah. Um, and that's mainly because I'm a, a manager, director, or some sort of like leadership role. So mm -hmm. what does that really mean is that I'm in some sort of call most of the times, right? Um, either in a call with some uh, candidate that I might want to hire. I'm in a one-on-one -on -one call with one of my designers. I might be in a leadership call with product teams. I might be in a leadership call with the rest of the design leaders. 
I might be in a call with HR. I, it's just different type of calls, right? When I was working mm -hmm. at a startup, I was also in calls with um, third parties that we were hiring, right? Because we didn't have enough engineers and designers. So just kind of like reviewing work with them. So it's more about just kind of overseeing everything from the product side, but also the people side. And I think mm. I like that. I like that because even though I'm necessarily, I'm not necessarily doing the work, I get to see what's going on and give my input sometimes where, where I see it's necessary, right? It's, I, think, I think I don't like the title of director that much because it sounds like very bossy. Mm -hmm. But it's mm -hmm. actually just being able to get, have an earth eye view of everything and be able to say, okay, what do we need to do here to kind of move forward? Is there any blockers that we might have in this product, in this feature, in this team, with this person? And then you try to unblock in the best possible way. So that's a little bit of what I do. I'll say mm -hmm. mainly, mainly calls or documenting. I'm a, I'm a very big person on documenting. So I would say I do spend at least three hours a day doing some sort of document. Right. Mm. Um, I mentioned the hiring process. I love documenting the hiring process. Uh, I mentioned my one-on-ones. I love documenting the one-on-ones and then just making it very thorough, right? Uh, if we have OKRs, documenting those things, uh, everything, basically anything has to be documented in one another way. And I don't, I don't necessarily mean a document, like a Google document, but just any sort of visual output that serves as uh, a proof for both of us uh, and our conversation, right? And to make sure that we are mm -hmm. aligned on what we are talking about. That, yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering why I could to learn more about how you go about documenting because that's, that's not really a skill set that's used too often in UX design. It's not. And, and, <laughs> and probably some of my designers hate me for that, but I'm like, what like you know they they tell me I've did this I've done that I da 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 you know example I've done the research I'm like okay where's the data right where's the raw data oh you know uh, I I did these are my notes I'm like okay what are where are the questions that you ask right oh I ask different questions to different users I'm like well you need it would be better if you standardize this a little bit right document your script before you actually talk to a user. Uh, make sure that your, the answers that you get, write them in an easy way, right? It's not about doing the full-on voice script from what they said, but just make sure that you get the right idea. Um, mm -hmm. Examples with the wireframes, sometimes they're like, oh, here's my design. And then I give them feedback and then they come back with just another screen. And I'm like, what happened? Is this everything you've done? And they say, yes, but I've explored other things. I'm like, well, that's, that's a good thing to sort of see, right? Because uh, I might be able to see some things that you might have not been able to see it's just, it's just it's not necessarily proof but it's better for a designer to show uh, someone like me two or three screens that they worked on versus one just because it feels there's more work done right it's not it's not it's not that we're saying they've done less work or not because i think they're doing the same amount of work but when it comes down to sort of show your work to somebody else it's it's better to show them a few things than just one thing um and that goes for everything, right? If we have a conversation and you show me a, a list of three amazing bullet points, that's more than enough than not having any document or the having a document with uh, a bunch of paragraphs or the having a video that no one is going to watch, right? I, I don't think there's a point of recording everything. It's just making sure that we are documenting or that we are actually getting out of, in, out of our brains the, the main 
discussion that we have, the main problem that we have, the main um, message that we want to have in there. That's really what I, what I mean by documentation. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was a really good uh, answer. I really, I really enjoyed that. And it kind of puts it in perspective, like a lot more people should actually use that more in their life or in their work. So like once they're actually going through the process of all, they're actually are more yeah. understanding of everything that's going on. And there's not like this, you know, like this surprise. Yeah, it makes it so much, it makes it so much easier. I think there's a few designers who believe that documentation is kind of like the handoff, right? Okay, I finished yeah. my design and now I got, have to get to documenting. And in reality, everything that you're doing is the document. Your process should be documented in whatever fidelity it is as you're going through. It's not, it's not something that you do at the end, right? It's more of every it's more that you do some, it's more that it's more you do it as you're going through the process. Uh, and a good example that I put to my designers is okay, imagine that tomorrow there's this amazing project coming in you want to work on it right mm-hmm. and basically what i'm going to be asking you is like i need you to hand off your project to somebody else right and this new project that is coming in you're not going to have time for anything else and you really really love this project you're not going to have time for anything else so you're not going to have time to explain the designer what you've been doing uh where the project is where is it going so what are you going to do what are you going to do right? Are you going to document everything tonight? Or are you really going to hand off something that you've been working out this whole time? You know, being organized and having a document, right? Like, okay, this is, these are my links. This is my explorations. This is why I've done these things, right? If you kind of have all those documents ready, it's so much easier to hand off things, right? And that's just sort of one example of a situation that might be able to happen. Another one might be you're changing, um, teams, right? Maybe you're moving to a new feature or to a new team or a new product and you kind of just need to do the, the change right away. So again, an onboarding document, it's going to be great and it's going to be easier. It's not going to be as stressful if it's something that you've been doing this whole time versus trying to do it at the end. If you're trying to do it at the end, then it's it's stressful, right? And you probably, you're not even going to know where to start. Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of like the similar ways of like how we do user research. And like, you know, like how, if we don't do that at the very start, how are we going to come up with a good solution to it all at the very end, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, also wondering, uh, no, Brie, uh, what is your favorite tools and resources to become a better like UX designer, but as well as a better uh, director, as you would say? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know about the director part. So let me think a little bit about that. But resources to become a great designer. I think YouTube, right? But I'm going to say YouTube with a parenthesis on it. Um, Why? Because there are some really good designers putting some really good content out there about how it's actually, what's the reality of working at a place. There's this, um, there's this YouTuber, I forgot her name, but basically there's one video that I love And it's one video that I recommend to all of my mentees about whiteboarding. So a lot of people don't really get to experience a whiteboarding exercise. Um, So it's good to watch this video. You get to see this designer kind of like going through the whiteboarding process. It's just, it almost looks like user research, right? You're just seeing what this person is doing, how they are thinking, where they take it next. So there's really a lot of resources in YouTube. Why do Mm -hmm. I put the parenthesis? 
because it also creates a little bit of stress on some of my designers and mentees where they think it has to be that specific way, right? Mm. Or like the process has to be like a recipe. If I don't, if I don't do this thing first, then I cannot do the next. And yes, that would be the the best case scenario. But there's times when we don't have the the resources, right? And by resources, I mean time, money, or whatever, to do the process that we want. So that puts a lot of stress on on the designers sometimes. And what I tell them is, be mindful of the goal of these videos on YouTube. And my hypothesis or my assumption is that a lot of these videos are put in there to get views, right? To, to yeah. get followers. So they do need to prettify a little bit kind of what they are doing and what they are saying. So that's why I put the parentheses just to make sure that uh, my designers and my mentees don't get too stressed that they have to do it that specific way. Because at the end of the day, I think it's edu- edutainment, right? There's definitely an mm-hmm. education aspect of it, but there's also an entertainment aspect of it right um and i'm and, and i put the hard parenthesis in there because it can really cause stress especially for people that are trying to get started into ux right where there's all this content in youtube and they see all these processes and they're like well this is gonna take me a year to learn right a year to get an opportunity so don't get too stressed about it but it's also a good source for you to learn yeah um yeah my uh, yeah my personal opinion on that that is i definitely agree with pretty much everything i i feel like what what issue is is that they romanticize being a ux designer and what the work life looks like and i get why because if like you said it's to get views it's to make people want to watch more of their lifestyle so that they learn to become a ux designer because they're essentially selling the uh right. you know the idea of becoming a ux designer and of course they want to be able to make sure that they present all the good uh, all the good and amazing parts of it front and foremost and not necessarily really cast so much on the 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 challenging side of it because it you know they don't want to turn off people they don't want to make it seem like it's really hard and scary and frustrating like sometimes it can be because it's a very big field but it's also because, you know, but it's also like a process that like once you do get the hang of it, you know, there's some more different ways that you go about it as, as well as it's not for those people who, you know, who want this a strict guideline every single time, you know, there's a lot of create, room for creativity. Yeah, no, definitely. Right. And I, and I sort of say from one of like the best possible place that I can say it from, because I would I would say that what they're doing, it's really going to help us on the on the long term, right? They're kind of putting all the resources out there. So they're kind of raising the bar up front, right? I think the bar that is up on, like where the bar is this year is definitely completely different to where it was when I got started. So I think I had it easier, right? I think I, think I was looking at, lucky in that sense where it was a little bit easier for me to sort of like learn things and then move forward on my career than what it is now. And I think that's a good thing. We're raising the bar, so I cannot wait to what a designer is going to look like in two to three years. You know, I'm basically going to be obsolete then. And I love that. I, I love that. I love the challenge. I want to see where where this growth takes new designers and it takes myself for sure. Yeah, that's what I, like, I love about UX design uh, and why like, I feel like it's the most fitting for me is just because there's always something to learn. It is such a, you know, a new and unique field, unlike other fields that have been around for like centuries. Whereas UX design, man, 
There, like there's a lot lot of stuff that we're still learning and don't even know about it until it eventually comes out yeah i mean figma is kind of the topic lately right yeah it's a big topic basically i was listening to this audio of, of him where he was saying that there was people within his company that didn't actually believe in the product right that they think it was gonna damage design the design um i don't know if you know that whoa they go something like designed by committees a camel or a horse something like that right mm-hmm. and some people believe that's what figma was going to be doing and look at it now i don't think it has done anything but greatness to sort of where we are right it just makes the resources so much more available it's makes the quality of ui so much better now like let's look at quality of ui now versus what it was five six years ago it's completely different and obviously it has to do a little bit with the technical aspects of it, but it's, it's, you know, it's, I think it's done so much more for the design community than heard it. Regardless oh, yeah. of once, regardless of once it goes into Adobe and it's probably going to start crashing, but that's a technical aspect. Right? Uh, of course, everyone uh, likes to think of extremes when something is new and scary and they don't fully understand. So it's, it's, it's always natural to think of the worst case scenario. It is, it is, but I wonder if it's a good habit or not. <laughs> uh, I think I, I'm leaning towards no, because right. it kind of, it kind of goes back to our, uh, since uh, essentially our fight or flight reflexes of our own survival. When we look at things that might damage what we love or what we, or our careers that we depend on. And that's the reason why I feel like we really shouldn't because that creates biases. And then all of a sudden, like, are we really growing as a person if we're assuming things that they are what they aren't? Yeah. Um, let's not even go that far. I, I completely agree with you, but let's not even go that far. I tell this to my mentees a lot where I'm like, uh, let's say you're working on a team and you're always saying no, 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 no. Do you think people are going to want to work with you? No, but like you're making collaboration a little bit harder, right? So it's a soft skill. I think it's a oh, soft yeah. skill plan that we need to develop and then it's going to help any designer, no matter the level, just to be a team player, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Don't be a judge of everything. Don't believe that your design process is the answer for the world, right? Be, oh, be, yeah, a, teammate, be a teammate first and then trust me, you're going to get to the final product um, as long as you work on a team. I know. It's, it's really funny how uh, the UX design kind of has a lot of that issues and I get it because you know there's a lot of it in graphic design there's a lot of it in psychology and you know so like yeah. when you when you group all this together like you know it's like it feels like it's a, a common place for that to to get into that uh this kind of like e- e- egocentric mindset of how I want it to be the way I want it to be it is right and I think I just catch myself how at the beginning of the conversation, I say that I really like UX because I was able to defend my work in a more objective way. That could be a little bit egotistical, right? So let's just, yeah, let's just make sure that we keep ourselves on check. <laughs> I know it kind of like uh, grows to the, the issue of, do you want to be liked or do you want to be right? Right. It's a balance. I think, I think it's more about choose your battles. <laughs> choose your battles. Yes. Not everything is worth fighting for at the end of the day. Right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, uh, Brie, uh, a wonderful question I always loved uh, to oh, always wonder is if you had to start your career over again, what would you do differently? I will risk more. 
I think I think I will just risk more and believe a little bit more on whatever product I'm working on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that will be it. I will risk it more because I think sort of I got really comfortable in some of my jobs and I stayed there, right? And it was sort of like a good thing to do. But I think the startup game is a young game. And it's not. I'm not saying that I'm old, but I definitely had a little bit more energy when I was younger. So I would say, when I was on my 20s, I would have loved to just go from one startup to the next and not necessarily jump in to make my career better, but just to be exposed to different things, right? Even if mm-hmm. I was not, even if I was not developing any designs or whatever, just, you know, working in the health industry, just to learn a little bit of what's going on in there, working on crypto early on the days, you know, that would have been great. I would not get it at all, but just, just being exposed to all of these things, I think is really important because a lot of what you're exposed on your 20s kind of define who you're going to become on your 30s and 40s, right? I think that's something that I've been listening to a lot lately. And it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. The more you learn when you're younger, I think that your brain is going to be wired a little bit different. You're going to see things a little bit different. I think it happens the same when you travel, right? The more you travel, the more you're going to be able to see things a little bit different than, than other people. So that's one thing. Risk it more. Be on more startups and just burn myself when I was younger. Uh, versus trying to burn myself now. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely uh, agree a lot, especially like on the have more experiences because then you have more creativity and more information to pull from. Because that's what like what like creativity really is at the end of the day is is how you connect things together. It is. It's a lot of sort of your um, I forgot the word right now. Your conscious and subconscious, right? How they work together and. How do you get to a place? I think the subconscious is always working. We're just not aware of it. And if you have more experiences, if you have more data points, then your subconscious is probably going to be able to give you better, better insights into the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, it's like you, because, you know, not every single uh, formula or solution requires the same process. So, and when you only have a limited creativity in that area, then you're always going to be using like a hammer for, uh, to, uh, for a problem that actually needs a screwdriver <laughs> right yeah i know i don't have thought. also i really loved uh, you mentioned of the startups and that's my favorite field to always work in probably because i've always worked in very fast-paced environments and agencies that like, that's just how i've always known to be as a designer so like to feel anything that is slower paced feels so abnormal to me yeah i would say I work in a fast-paced environment too, but I was mostly on the agency side, like consulting side. And mm-hmm. I think I think from that side, the culture is a little bit different and I think it's fast-paced for the wrong reasons, right? I think it's mm-hmm. fast-paced right. for the reasons that maybe we over-promise, we're trying to over-deliver or we're like sort of like in a time constraint or a budget constraint versus a startup. You're kind of more in a survival mode and you just need to get it done to sort of like keep on moving, right? I think they're both fast-paced, but just the the message or like the, yeah, like the reasons why you're doing it is completely different. Mm-hmm. So so I will change the, the consultancy sort of like world to go to startups if I could. Yeah, it, uh, it that makes sense as well as um, also one thing about startups that I, I liked is because of usually of the limited funds and the people, you have to wear a lot of different hats too. So like there was... 
I know, like there was so much. Like I, I never had a job where I was like only doing just designer things or like a, U, a UX designer or just a graphic designer. I was always doing like other forms of marketing, other forms of product design. It was. Um, that's the reason why my skill set feels very broad and in a way a little, <laughs> in a way a little over the place. But I feel like I have such a great understanding of what a lot of people do, though. So I feel like when I am trying to become a team player, I'm able to understand like what is it they're trying to achieve and how my work relates to that. So it's not like we are on different islands. Like no, we are connected together with bridges now. Right. I'm, I'm definitely there with you. I think um, I think about this all the time. What am I good at? I don't think I'm a specialist at anything. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm just going to own my generalist way. And I'm going to say I'm a specialist at, at being a generalist. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm really good at not being good at anything. Um, and and it's, it's based on the context. I think it was a little bit different from us when we got started, right? Um, mm-hmm. From the agency world or the startup world, I love the startup world for that reason, and I recommend to a lot of the younger mentees that really are into that entrepreneurship mindset to just go to a startup, right? To not try to do the process perfect, but just to really get a sense of what it's to work in a fast-paced environment. And one week they might be needing research, while the other week they might be needing UI, and it's it's just good. It's just, it's just good exposure for them and get a sense. And then from there, they can choose. You know, I actually love research. Okay, then move on to something that is more focused on research or move to something that it's focused more on product strategy, right? Because I think that happens with a lot of designers but then realize that they actually love more strategy and product uh, than they actually love yeah. development more than they. So mm-hmm. startup is a great, you get to touch everything and you say, okay, I want to go further on this thing. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, also the lead up and you, you definitely seem to know something about with your UX interview masterclass that you have going on. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I just want to say that looks incredible. And you're uh, what you, what you're doing with Christopher, with my listeners may know, I've had him as a previous guest that they are doing uh, that him and Brie are doing a wonderful job with this UX interview masterclass. And yeah, I know. And this is really uh, fascinating and so knowledgeable to learn about how can we ace these UX interviews and get hired. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of things. Um, one of the reasons why we decided to do that course is because we've seen a lot of material out there that focus on the portfolio, right? Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of material that focuses on sort of your resume. And I think that's just the beginning, right? That's sort of the hook. Let's say you're fishing for something. That's just the hook. If you have a good hook, then you're going to be able to, you know, get some interviews. But a lot of young designers are not realizing that getting that first interview doesn't mean you're going to get the job. There's sort of like these different processes that different companies uh, do. So that's what we talk a little bit about, right? What those processes look like. Uh, like in a basic level and then how to sort of get better at some of them. So an example is the whiteboarding. I mentioned there's a YouTube video where you can see how this this YouTuber designer does it. Um, So we got a little bit in detail on that, how to do whiteboarding, why is it important? For example, why, why do we do it, right? And I think one of the reasons why we do whiteboarding is just to see how a designer is able to think on their feet, you know? when they're under stress, when they're presented with a new challenge, how, how do they manage 
that ambiguity and then not, how, not only how they manage that, but how do they collaborate with the people on the room? Because when they're doing whiteboarding, they're not part of the team, right? There's somebody that wants to join the team. So we just want to bring them into this environment where it looks like they are already working with them when we're working in a, in a problem statement or a challenge. And so we want to see more soft skills than anything else because we know they are able to do the process because we saw that in their interviews, in their portfolio, in all these other places, right? So it's just kind of mm -hmm. closing the gap. I think I think this, this product is more about closing the gap and making sure that once you have a good portfolio and a good CV resume, that you're able to go through the rest of the process and have a better chance at getting hired versus just getting the interviews for a job, right? There's a big difference mm -hmm. there. Yeah, yeah, that's why I definitely found out that it's very much uh, different than any other like traditional jobs where you just have your resume and you just get into the interview, ask them your basic questions and boom, you're hired. Feels like there's a lot more steps involved with UX. Yeah, and I think it's for a good and uh, I think it's for I think it's for the good. I've seen product managers do the same. I've, some, I've seen developers sort of doing a similar process. So there's like a little bit of, I put my future hat on and I figure, what can that mean for other skills, right? Is there, would that be a good thing, for example, for a lawyer <laughs> or not? And, you know, who knows? Yeah. I, think, I think there's something there that can definitely help outside of the tech world to make sure that you're building the best teams yeah absolutely because uh everyone especially from like different cultures and walks of life can definitely bring something new to the table that you otherwise wouldn't think about yeah definitely mm -hmm. yeah so Bree, what would you say is the biggest lesson you have learned in your career so far uh That's a hard question. The biggest lesson. Everybody is learning as they go. Yeah, like, that, no, mm -hmm, like no one yeah. has ever figured it out. Yeah. I think that's the biggest lesson, right? I think when I was getting started, I had the very common imposter syndrome where I'm like, oh, this person is coming from this great design university or this great design college or this person has five years of experience so they must know more than I do right and I think I think we're all trying to figure it out no matter the level right we're always learning and that really just brings the pressure a little bit down and you're able to look at the world a little bit different you look at your mentees different you look at the people that you work a little bit different because instead of having this wall where you need to portray that you know what you're doing, you could be a little bit more open to them and say, let's work on this together, right? So I think that's the biggest lesson because once I figure out that everybody's trying to figure it out, then I realize that we can figure it out together, right? That we can actually work as a team. And that's one of the biggest things that I've gotten in the last eight years is collaboration. It's really working with people and not being an island. And it took me a while when I was a graphic designer, you know, I was really focused on my craft. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. that was the same. Completely different thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know when I was a graphic designer, there really wasn't a whole lot about the team effort. It was really just my art director telling me do X, Y, Z. I get it done, get some feedback, maybe change some things. Our director tells me, all right, the client's not off, we're good. And that was it. You know, like it never really felt like there was a whole team effort of everything needs to work in unison and to make sure that the business objectives are met, the user's uh, idea, uh, problems are solved, that everything is within the project budget and on time. You know, it's like there's so many more moving parts than what I'm used to as when I was learning in college. There is. And I think. I think the way that I talk to my mentees about that and my designers is sometimes they come to feedback for, with me, right? They're like, oh, I wanted to show you what I was doing. And I obviously give them feedback or I ask them questions and things like that. But one of the questions that I always ask them, no matter what, is have you talked to somebody else? So for example, if they're showing me a flow of a design, I'm like, have you shown it to the product manager? No. Well, it might be great for you to show them, right? And, and then you have the conversation with them because they're definitely going to have more context. Um, I had a, one of my mentees, he showed me what he was working on a design system. And, you know, he showed me this amazing style guide and all these components and all these colors. And it was great, right? I loved it. But my question was like, have you talked to engineering about this? And he was like, no. I'm like, well, maybe you should do it now, right? You should get them involved as soon as possible and get a little bit of their input inside the system to, for example, figure out the naming convention or figure out how much time this is going to take to do, you know, really talk to them, really collaborate with them instead of being on your island. And then, you know, here's my beautiful thing that I've done. I think it's, it's more counterproductive than it actually helps. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a pretty good answer. I really enjoyed that. So thank you so much for that, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> so as we're drawing close to this episode, what's the best way to reach out to you and be able to check out the UX interview match dirt class? So Twitter, my Twitter is Bri and then also ADP list. So that's ADPLIST.com, I believe. You can search for me and I'm sort of available for anybody that wants to have like a 20 minute 30 minute conversation with me about design and mentorship, right? So I'm open there some days and some hours for people that are just looking for feedback. And they're open for people that want to learn about UX design. You know, they want to do the switch and I'm there for even really good designers that just need another sort of set of eyes for whatever they're doing. So I would say those are the two big ones. ADP list, just look, look me up, look my name, Brian, Brian Castro or Brie Castro. Either one should come up and Twitter. That's, that's about it. I'm pretty, uh, I forgot the word. I'm, I'm pretty introvert when it comes down to mm. social media. <laughs> Other than that, it's going to be hard to get a hold of me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I feel, I feel you. I think, um, I feel like I need to be more away from social media just because how much of a time suck it can be. Definitely. Definitely. I, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And they're like, they're designed to keep you on there as long as possible. So like, they know how your human mind works. They have, you know, right. they have people on the team who are, you know, they designed the app to be that way. We created those people. Yeah, in a way, in a way. I know, some, I know one, one of these days I'm going to be talking about the evil side of UX design. <laughs> Definitely. I've, I've, I've gotten, I've gotten interviewed for sort of like dark patterns, right? I, I got this 
this researcher, I forgot what country he was from, and he just wanted to learn my, my insight into dark patterns. So that's definitely a discussion for another time. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I love ADP uh, list.com. Uh, it is like, I'm actually shocked such a great resource exists. Me too. Me too. I think, I think they've, uh, shout out to Felix. He's done an amazing job in the last year, and I've seen his product grow so much. I've been part of it since the beginning, you know, when oh, wow. he first, when he first announced the first round of money, you know, he got all of us, like the few mentees that were there, because it was still sort of like a pretty small community. It's like, hey, I have some good news. We got our first round of, um, of money, so we're going to, you know, use it to grow the platform. So kudos to him, shout outs to him. He's so young too, so I definitely look out to him. Uh, you know. Wow. Well, I know, so props to him because when I first looked at the website, I felt like there has to be a catch. This this looks too good <laughs> to be true. I actually could not believe how good, how like, and it, it, it delivers. It delivers what it promises. And I was like, I'm still so blown away by how such yeah. a website exists because I feel like I have, it, it shouldn't. Yeah. I feel like it shouldn't. <laughs> Definitely. I, I push some of my really close friends to, you know, if they want to talk to me about UX, I have a few friends that are doing the switch and I'm like, oh, just book book me on ADP. And for a while, they would just say, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll book book with you. But they were sort of, um, they didn't do it. And I was like, just book it. I was like, man, like, if I want to talk to you, I could just talk to you on the phone. I don't need to pay. I'm like, no, nah, it's free. I like the only, the only reason why I want you to do it there is because I want you to be exposed not only to me, but to the rest of the community, right? Because yes, we can talk, but that's really only helping me. I want to make sure that I'm helping you the best possible way. So book a meeting with me through ADP, and then you see what other amazing designers out, out there for you to talk to. That's the only reason. I'm definitely not getting any money from them, but I just want to help you in the best possible way. So I get it. I get it. It yeah, looks too good yeah. to go sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, no, well, yeah, when you actually like, oh, wow, uh, you know, a very well-known senior designer is actually going to sit down and look through my whole portfolio and do it with me, like on call, uh, on video, and I don't have to pay anything. Like, it honestly feels like there has to be some sort of, you know, strings attached to this. And I, <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of it, right? I'm a fan of growing people, community, education, and UX. And that's why I believe on, on, on the platform and just mentorship as a whole, because I want to be the person that I didn't have when I was young, right? When I was young, I was trying to figure out by myself and I didn't really have anybody that told me, you know, do this, UX is this, UX is that. So I want to be that mm -hmm. person for the new generation. Yes. Uh, and all links of uh, Bree's uh, Twitter and ADP list will actually be found in the show notes. So you can yeah. easily check that out and be able to connect with him. Awesome. I, I yes. hope to see some of you in some mentorship sessions with me for sure. Yes. Any closing words you'd like our audience to know about? Take it slow. <laughs> we live on these world where you know we talk a little bit about media youtube um mentorship growing and all of this yes do it but be mindful and don't burn yourself out right take care of yourself for sure yeah yeah i know especially um you know as i'm getting older i'm becoming a lot more conscious about my own physical health and how yeah. like sometimes you know sometimes this career can just take its toll like how many of us are sitting on a, you know at the table for way too long 
Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> you know, staring so you, at screens all day long, you know? Take it, just take it slow. Be more mindful, you know, enjoy what you have around you. Don't just consume and, and get stressed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, like take a deep breath, you know? It's like <laughs> guaranteed to make you feel better. Yes, definitely. All right. Thank you so much, Bray, for being here. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. Yes. Until, uh, so please do support our guests. And until then, you just listen to the UX Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Mann. Thank you for listening.